We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. Thank you, Father, for joy. Thank you for liberty. Thank you for receptibility. Thank you that our hearts are tuned to the frequency at which you're transmitting even now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for understanding. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for illumination. We give you glory and praise tonight. Thank you, Father, that your word has free access in the name of Jesus. Praise God. We're going to get straight into the word tonight. We're we're talking on the Christ-conscious believer. The hallmarks of a Christ-conscious believer. What are the hallmarks of a Christ-conscious believer? How do I know, you might want to ask yourself, that I am a Christ-conscious believer in the light of Christ, in the light of Christ? What are the hallmarks of a Christ-conscious believer? I'm not really sure what it really means to be Christ-conscious. How am I sure that I'm aware of and, and responding to Christ, his person, Christ, his nature, Christ, his message, Christ, his system? What are the things I need to look out for? What are the indicators or indicators, as, as the Americans will call it, conscious believer? What are the things that you need to look at? Because again, I've said over and over to our people that it is an acquired discipline. It's not something that would just happen. You will not just get up and just feel like, who? because here's what happens. You got born again. You don't even know when you got born again. You don't know when you got born again. Ah, there was a moment I said the sinner's prayer and Christ came into my life. What did you feel? Truth of the matter is you feel nothing because most of what you feel is just emotional goosebump reactions. The fact that you felt, ooh, or fell on the ground when somebody prayed for you, that does, that's not how you know you're born again. You know you're born again by knowing that you're born not by sensing that you're born again. Not by feeling, ooh, I'm born again. No. It's by knowing. And how do you know? By checking indicators. Did I hear the gospel? What was the scope of the gospel that I heard? Did I hear the gospel? Did you? Yes. Tick. Did I believe the gospel? Yes. Tick. Did I confess the gospel? Yes. Tick. I'm born again. Confess sin? Mm-mm. Did you confess the gospel? Did you confess the Lord Jesus? Did you say, I believe Jesus came in in the form of flesh, died for my sins, took my place. I died with him. And then he rose for my justification and I rose in him. And therefore all my sins are forgiven. I have peace with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I have been granted the gift, the irrevocable gift of eternal life. You know that? You're born again. So for a lot of you, the anniversary you are celebrating of your born againness is <laughs> only you that is celebrating it and your family members. It, <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? It, it's just you. <laughs> but then there are indicators as you get born again. There are indicators that begin to point your growth, that begin to highlight your growth. You're walking in the spirit. You are filled with the spirit. Of course, or else you're not born again. You're walking in the gift of the spirit. You are leaving the fruit of the spirit. All nine of them, fruit, it doesn't say fruits of the Spirit, ah, it says of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of that stuff together is the fruit. 
of the Spirit. There are no nine fruits of the Spirit. There is one fruit of the Spirit. And that fruit of the Spirit or that manifestation of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of them together, one fruit. You know, in other words, you cannot have one and not have the other. That's the difference between the gifts, plural, and the fruit, singular. Gift, you can have some and not walking others. You can have all and walking all. Depends on your consciousness, spirit consciousness. Your grasp of pneumatos, these things of the spirit, your grasp of spirituals. That's why Paul writes to them in 1 Corinthians 12 and he says, Now, concerning spirituals, I will not have you ignorant. There's one. Concerning spirituals. Concerning spirituals. So, but fruit, you, you have all of it or you don't. And then that begins to manifest in your life. And you're reading the word and you're conforming by the renewing of your mind according to Christ. You're beholding the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Hallelujah. So let's go for the, let's go for the first one. The first indicator, the first hallmark of a Christ conscious believer is that that believer is grateful for the cross. The Christ conscious believer is grateful for the cross. Can you just say with me on the count of three? One, two, three. The Christ conscious believer is grateful for the cross. It's not just informed about the cross, but is grateful for the cross. The crucifixion of Jesus is the game changer for humanity. The crucifixion of Jesus is the game changer. Changed everything. And that's why he was crucified by design. Jesus was crucified by design. He was crucified on purpose. It, they didn't just grab him and kill him because he annoyed them and drove them off the wall. No. It appears that they did, but it was all by the foreknowledge and the design of God. Remember how Revelation says that he was slain from the foundation of of the earth. He wasn't, he wasn't slain 2,000 years ago. That was just the physical manifestation of what had happened in eternity. He wasn't slain from the foundation of, he wasn't slain uh, uh, at Golgotha or at, or at Calvary. He had been slain from the foundation of the earth. You see that very clearly in scripture. I'll show you a couple of them in Revelation. You see that, that statement appear a bunch of times. In the book of Revelation, hallelujah, praise God. 13, Revelation 13, let's go to 13, verse 8. Verse 8 of Revelation 13 says, All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of, the, of, in the book of life of the Lamb, and that's the emphasis for, for the sake of this conversation, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Mm. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That's when he was slain. He was slain before the world was created. <laughs> so nothing takes him by surprise. Nothing took him by surprise. Adam eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil didn't take him by surprise. It was design. Hey, pastor, if God knew that Adam would eat of the fruit, why did God put the fruit there? Because God knew. That Adam will eat it. That's why God put it. That's exactly why God put it. Because so, so God then embeds the redemption plan 
that had already been enacted through Christ before the foundation of the world. He embeds the triggering or the catalyzing of that redemption plan inside the fruit, inside the tree, inside the garden. Because he knew that this is, something will go like this. He's omniscient. And so because of that, he embeds salvation in the thing that he knew man would not do. Even though he was what he expected man to do. He expected man to refrain from eating that tree. But he knew that in spite of his expectations, man will eat it. So he puts the redemption plan in what man will do that he was not meant to do, that God knew he would do. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear what I just, the, the radio I just, I, just, I just told you? He, put the, he packaged the redemption plan, the triggering of the redemption plan, inside what he didn't want man to do, but what he knew that man would do. So in his foreknowledge, he arranges for what man would do that he didn't expect or didn't want man to do, but knew that man would do to be now what would trigger what he, God, had already done. So it wasn't God responding to sin. Uh, Do you understand what I just said? It wasn't that God did something and then it was very good and then man now came and man now spoiled it and God now had to quickly, oh, what do I do? How do I fix this thing? No, that will make God reactive. And if he's reactive, then he's not a powerful God. And he doesn't deserve to be God. And you shouldn't be serving that kind of God. If all he is, is to react. If all he is, is to jump and begin to, oh, somebody has messed up my thing. Let me come and fix it. No. He's proactive. He gives life expression. Nothing takes him by surprise. So even the crucifixion of Jesus... And I said, we are on the point, the Christ-conscious believer is what? Grateful for the cross. So you need to understand the dynamics of the cross, understand the mechanics of the cross, understand the workings of the cross, and how much of a game-changer it is in the entirety of human existence and our relationship with God. So they, 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 they did all that they did, and I'll run through some of that in a minute. If you want to understand this teaching properly, this element of the cross, you need to go and find the series I taught titled, Understanding This Gospel. Acts chapter 2, the Christ-conscious believer is grateful for the cross, not the wood on which he was crucified. For hmm. you can't buy a big crucifix and wear on your neck. They ask you, what's wrong with you, brother? Prosper. I say, ha, ah, I'm grateful for the cross. I need to wear it. Hmm. That's the wood. The cross, when we say the cross, we're referring to the culmination of activity that happened when Jesus was crucified on that tree. The culmination of activity. So when Paul says we preach Christ crucified, it doesn't mean that Paul is saying we preach Christ stretched on a tree like this. That's not what it means. When we preach Christ crucified, it means we are preaching Christ with emphasis on what he did when he was on the cross, on the wood on the tree, and what that brings you into. When you think crucifixion, that's what you should be conscious of. Does that make sense? But if you think cross, and what comes to your mind is that thing that he stretched, you are carnal, you are a baby, you are a baby in the faith. Mature believers don't think the wood when they hear the cross. So that's why Paul says that the message of the cross is foolishness. Not the message of the wood. Are you, are you following me? Or the tree, or the log. But the message of what Christ did, the message of what transpired on there and the significance in the life of the believer, that message is foolishness. That's the cross. Does that make sense? 
So when, when Jesus says, if anyone will follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You now, you, I mean, to follow means you need to go and go, see the carpenter on your street and tell the carpenter, hook me up a cross. I want to follow Jesus. That's not what he means in that sense. Just, I'm just pointing that out. So Acts chapter 2, be conscious of that. Acts chapter 2, hallelujah, and verse 22, 22 to 24. This is Peter now preaching his very first post-crucifixion sermon. If, do you remember that Jesus sent them out in twos earlier on, on at least two recorded occasions? And but this was his first post-crucifixion, post post-Pentecost, if you may, um, because this was just after the Holy Spirit had come upon them in Jerusalem at the upper room, and they came out to speak to um, their brethren who were gathered there at the time. And Peter starts in, in 22 uh, and saying, Men of Israel, he says to them, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles. This is New King James. Wonders and signs which God did through him. And that word, uh, that word or the words, miracles, wonders, and signs. Those three words are one word in the Greek. Those three words, miracles, wonders, and signs, are one word, dunamis. The word translated power, or dunamin, or duname, in different variants. The words, miracles, wonders, and signs. All, if you check the Greek lexicon, is one word, dunamin. So, in, and so when Paul says that to us, Christ, the wisdom of God, so false, and Christ, the power of God, dunamin, it means Christ in us, to us, the miracles, wonders, and signs of God. So, so when he says you shall receive power, Jesus says, do not mean after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. What does do not mean entail? The ability to do wonders, signs, and miracles. Same root word. Interesting, right? Miracles, wonders, and signs, us, by the way, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. 23, him. Being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands. Follow, if you understand this scripture, you understand Garden of Eden. You have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. Let me stop there. 24 says, Whom God raised up and all that. Put it, put it back up in the NLT. Acts 2 22 and 23. In the NLT, it says, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed, come on, come on, Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know, 23. But God knew what will happen. And his pre-arranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. Look at the next one in the, in the NLT. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. Let's go back to 23 again from the beginning. But God, we'll go back, I don't need 24 right now. 23, but God knew what will happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was crucified. Somebody say prearranged plan. Pre plan. It now goes on to say that with the help of lawless Gentiles. So people got up to say, let's kill Jesus. And they did not understand that what they were doing was facilitating the plan of God. They essentially were sponsoring God's plan. Because you know, God would have been thinking, wait, oh, I've killed this Jesus from the beginning. 
from the foundation of the world. But who, 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 who are the actual people I'm going to employ to kill him for real? No, no, no. Gentiles came and they were like, yes, Lord, here we are. Send us. We will kill him for you. Why? They were going according to God's prearranged plan. The NLD TPT puts it this way. Amen. The Passion Translation says, This man's destiny was prearranged. For God knew that Jesus would be handed over to you to be crucified and that you would execute him on a cross by the hands of lawless, man, lawless men. Yet it was all part of his predetermined plan. This man's destiny was prearranged. For God knew that Jesus would be handed over to you to be crucified and that you will execute him on a cross by the hands of lawless men. Yet it was all part of his predetermined plan. Can you see that? Jesus was crucified by design. God designed it that way and men sponsored it. <laughs> Look at Matthew 25. As this, these lawless men began to agitate, in Matthew 27, began to agitate and whip up the Roman rulers. Hallelujah. Matthew 27. Let's go from 25. From 24 for context. When Pilate saw that he, Pilate, could not prevail at all, but rather, let's, 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 let's read NLT. Start again. NLT, Paul says, um, um, uh, Matthew says, that Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water. Of course, his wife had also warned him in a, from what she said in a dream. Washed his hands before the crowd and saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. See 25 in the NLT. 25. And all the people yelled back, we will take responsibility for his death, we and our children. The new King James they replied and said, his blood be on us and our children. Somebody was about to be killed. His blood was about to be shed. For what? For the forgiveness of sin. The blood of Jesus was not shed for judgment. So you can't use the blood of Jesus to judge somebody. The blood of Jesus does not kill. So you can't kill somebody by the blood of Jesus. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus against my enemies. No, he, that blood died for your enemies, sir. Father, I come I, by the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus against every force of darkness. If that force of darkness is operating in a man, that man was factored in the blood. So if you prayed to kill somebody and the person died, it was the devil that sponsored your, your, your answered prayer. I repeat, if you prayed, prayed to kill somebody, if it was not a natural cause or medical cause, the devil and his agents were the ones that sponsored your prayer to be answered. And that's why I do, the only thing more, I've said over and over, the only thing more dangerous than God not answering your prayer is for the devil to come and answer it on God's behalf. And you now testify and say, Father, I give glory to God. Brethren, come and see what the Lord has done. No, you just allow the familiar spirit to use your warped expectation and give you your desire. And that's why Christ's consciousness is key. Because when you understand his person, remember, understand his nature, understand his message, and understand his system, there are some things you will not do. There are some prayers you will not pray. There are some attitudes you will not have. That's why Paul tells them, let this mind, um, Philippians 2, I read that last week, which was in Christ Jesus be in you. Let this mind suggest what? Permit. 
Yeah? And children say, give chance. Allow the mind of Christ to have its work in you. Because when you begin to think like him, you will talk like him. You will act like him. You will pray like him. What was the mind of Jesus? Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. How does that sound? How does that sound congruous? Because these are people that are telling Pilate, sir, his blood be on us and our children. We take responsibility for his death. Does that sound like someone that doesn't know what they're doing? But Jesus said they do not know what they do because he saw them according to redemption. Not according to action. He saw them according to predestination. Not according to their condition. So he said, Father, don't mind. They are just sponsoring what they don't understand. And then you get up. Father! Everybody in my house, my neighbors, my father's house. My, can you, can you, do you see how murderous we are as Christians? Only you, you have key people in your father's house. Only you, you have key people in your mother's house. Only you, you have key people on your street. You have key people on your jobs. They refuse to give you visa. You kill them. They refuse to give you a job. You kill them. They embarrassed you at a job interview. You kill them. The guy said you should drop from his taxes. He's not going again. You, anybody you kill in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. So Jesus asked his disciples in Luke, he said, do you not know what manner of spirit you are of? Because the only reason why they were wanting to call down fire to, to destroy uh, 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 um, those guys who did not believe them was because they did not have the spirit or the mind of Christ. Because I wanted to do it. Let me show you that scripture. It's in Luke, 5, Luke, Luke 9, 52. Okay, I have it in the TPT, but let me read it in the NLT first. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan, where are we, 50, okay, let's go from 51, so we can understand the narrative, from 51. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, 52. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. 54. But when James and John, you know them, sons of Zebedee, you understand now why Jesus gave them the nickname he gave them, sons of thunder. When James and John saw this, and these boys, they and their mother, they had issues. You know, it was the mother that brought them and carrying them, you know how mothers don't want their sons to grow up, carrying them. And said, Jesus, so when you get to that, your kingdom, James, she sits on your left hand. John, she sits on your right hand. So the same James and John, sons of Zebedee. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? Doesn't this sound like what people are doing right now? Opposing Jesus, opposing your ministry, opposing your church. This lockdown alone, if you know how many prayer meetings have been carried out against government, destroy them, they are persecuting the church. No, sir. If anything is being persecuted, maybe just the building, not the church, sir. The church is not being persecuted. Maybe just your sanctuary, your temple. But that's what we're doing now. Because why? We do not have the mind of Christ. We are not Christ conscious. For us, the blood and the cross are weapons of mass destruction. Should we call down fire from heaven to burn them? Isn't that what we're doing today? God of Elijah, send down fire, fire, Holy Ghost! To kill people. Holy Ghost. Comforter. Paracletos. Helper, yes. spirit of truth, yes. guiding you into all truth, will not speak of himself. I will come to that in this teaching. 
will not speak of himself, but will take of me and decree to you. Deposit of eternal life, guarantee of redemption. At the same time, killer, you have not so lent Christ. Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? Hear Jesus' response in 55. Jesus turned and rebuked them. Jesus turned and rebuked them. Keep going. So they went to another village. Now, another manuscript renders this in 55. Let me, let me, let me read 54 in the TPT. When the disciples, Jacob and John, James was also called Jacob, and John realized what was happening. They came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you wanted to, you could command fire to fall down from heaven just like Elijah did and destroy all these wicked people. 55, Jesus rebuked them sharply, saying, don't you realize what comes from your heart when you say that? For the Son of Man did not come to destroy life, but to bring life to the earth. The Son of Man did not come to destroy life, but to bring life to the earth. The New King James says, Do you not know what manner of spirit you are of? For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. So they went to another village instead. Jesus, Almighty God, that, that makes a way in the wilderness, went round the people and still died for them. That's the Spirit of Christ. That's Christ consciousness. And he prays for them and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. He didn't say, Father, kill them, burn them, Holy Ghost fire, release your angels, terminate them. Every terminator of my life, terminate them. The cross was not an accident. On the cross, Jesus was abandoned. You see that in that teaching, understanding this gospel. Matthew 26 and 56. Matthew 26, 56. But all this was done. Go back to, for context. Let's just read that for, for time's sake. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then, this was at the, at the Garden of Gethsemane. Then all the disciples forsook him. He was beaten, he was forsaken. We don't see all the beatings here in, in the Gospels, but we see them in Isaiah. So Paul understood the beatings that Jesus went through, not from the writings of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because actually when Paul began to write, these guys hadn't written yet. When he wrote his first epistle, which the epistle of Galatians is referred to generally as Paul's first epistle, this guy's hadn't written. So you can't say that Paul copied from the narrative of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is profound. So if you understand 1 Corinthians 11, where he's talking about the Lord's Supper, and you understand when he says, I received directly from the Lord that which I also handed over to you. He was not quoting Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 1 Corinthians 15, when he was talking about the crucifixion and the resurrection, he says that, I received that, I, I give to you that which I also first received from the Lord, how that Christ died according to the scriptures. The scriptures there was not referring to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because at that time, those four gospels had not been written. <laughs> so Paul hears of a man, Jesus, knows that he walked in the earth, knows that Jesus appeared to him out of due time, as he says in that 1 Corinthians 15. But from understanding the law, from understanding Isaiah's writings, from understanding Psalm's writings, could, could get revelation concerning what happened to Jesus before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote what he wrote. So he went through all the beatings, Isaiah 50, Isaiah 52, Isaiah 53. They chronicle the beatings. Let me show you one. Let me show you one. Isaiah 52, 13 and 14. And I hope you're getting this. I really do hope you're getting this. I really do hope you're getting this. We have the message on here, actually. So let's read the NLT first. NLT says, See, my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. 14. 
But many were amazed when they saw him. Go back. Many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he hardly seemed human. And from his appearance, one will scarcely know he was a man. His face was so disfigured, he scarcely seemed human. And from his appearance, one would hardly know he was a man. Put it up again in the message, Isaiah 52, 14. But he didn't begin that way. At first, everyone was appalled. He didn't, didn't even look human. A ruined face, disfigured past recognition. Disfigured past recognition. He was scrounged. He was scourged. He was beat. The cross was our punishment bearer. He was given up for our transgressions. The cross is our sin remover. You have to be mindful of this. You have to be conscious of this. This is what. So when you see, when you see, when I see believers, when I see believers, when I see believers, and we say, "Can we give God thanks for the cross?" And I see believers, I feel. I literally feel like slapping because you see, that is the indicator that you are not conscious of what the cross did. You had a small accident. Every year, you do anniversary of the accident. No? Your child almost died. The child fell off a, a, a wall in school and broke their leg and they survived. Every year you remember that. Is that not, is that what we do in church? You, you give birth to a baby by CS. You almost died, but the Lord sustained you. So you go for dedication. You go for special Thanksgiving. And every year you testify this testimony every year of the baby's life. Is that not so? Every time such testimonies are shared, it provokes, a, oh, God is mighty. Hmm? Is that, are you following me? Yeah. Those of you out there, are you following me? God is mighty. Oh, wow, amazing. Look what the Lord has done. Look what you done already. You know what we're thinking about? We're thinking about, look at the car you gave me already. You gave me a husband already. You gave me jam score already. You paid my rent already. You are carnal already. See you in the flesh already. Because that's the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Yes. If you are testifying, you are testifying of Christ. If your testimony is not of Christ, you don't have a testimony. He's the one. He's the testimony. So if we can testify of your leg broke, God healed you. Every year, we know go hear what? Every year we will remember anniversary of when you were robbed. And you were shot, but you survived. And then you come and you say you're a believer. And you gather and we say, brethren, let us give God thanks for the cross. You are carnal. You are not a Christ conscious believer. Because brother, my dear sister, if you are Christ conscious, every time you hear the message of the cross, it will evoke a response in you that no human testimony can provoke. Every time you hear what the cross did, every, you cannot hear it enough. You can't hear it. That's why, that's why personally I'm averse to celebrations. I don't like celebrations. Birthday, uh, anniversary, wedding anniversary. We moved into the house anniversary. Anniversary of the car. Anniversary of my wardrobe. Anniversary of the kitchen. Anniversary of me being born again. Anniversary of what else? Of the birth of Jesus. He didn't send you. 
He didn't send you. Oh, something is wrong with Christmas. He didn't send you. The one he said, remember. You are not remembering it. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Christ is the testimony, not your healing. Your healing is just dunamine. Byproduct of the power in his testimony. Christ is the testimony. That's why we said he's the message. He who testifies is one who affirms or who, one who heralds or one who, one who speaks for a particular message, one who speaks for a particular truth. Is that not so? Witnesses that come in a court case come to testify. Do they testify of themselves? No, they testify of the person in question. Is that not so? Yes, sir. Why is your testimony about you? If it's a testimony, it's about Christ. He is the testimony. You now come to church and carry a microphone. Brethren, see what the Lord has done for me. Actually, you see what happened was, can you see how foolish we are being as believers? Because every physical reality I've said to you over and over and over and over exists only to point to a spiritual reality greater than itself. Yes. I've just explained to you the principle of testimony. If we're testifying, our testimony, our affirmation is of Christ. So once you come in a gathering, even yourself by, by yourself, and you hear a song or you hear a word or you hear a scripture that puts the cross in focus, you should light up and become animated in your spirit. You should light up. But then you see believers nonchalant. Just there. And you can see from what people are singing that they have no connection. They have no bearing. They have no consciousness. Even in your so-called Easter. Even your so-called Easter. But if you are grateful for the cross, if you understand, can you see the scripture I showed in Isaiah 52? That he was mangled beyond recognition. Mangled. They could not identify that this was a man. They could not tell that he, he was just a bundle of mass of meat. Ripped to shreds. And all that was on his mind was my name. Alexander. While Alexander was shouting, let his blood be on my head. And God was like, yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. I am putting his blood on your head. I am putting his blood on the head of your children. I'm putting his blood on the head of your children's children. I'm putting his blood to take away your sins. But without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. When his blood was pleaded, it wasn't pleaded for judgment. It was pleaded for forgiveness. Oh, the Christ conscious believer is grateful for the cross. Yes. You are thankful for the cross. You are thankful for what the cross did. You are thankful for what occurred on the cross with your name on it. You will never another day of your life demean the cross. Each time it comes in view, each time, that's what Paul tells them, as often as you do this, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. He is the testimony. You value your life, your healing, your husband, your wife, your child. above. Yeah, all of those are offshoots of the finished work. He is the testimony. He is. We're grateful. Every time you hear that issue, stir up something in your spirit. Because that's the very fabric of your existence. That's the fabric of your redemption. That's the fabric of your sanctification. That's the fabric of your justification. That's the fa fabric of your forgiveness. The cross. What he did. Your conscience, look at me, your conscience is dead the day that the cross cannot stir you up to gratitude. Your conscience is dead, seared as with hot iron, the day that the cross cannot stir you up to gratitude. Every day of your life, ten eternities put together are not enough to be thankful for the cross. Are not enough. 
are not enough? Is that all we're going to be singing about? What else is there to sing about? Boy, you want to sing about you and about your emotional feelings. Your destiny changed. Your life was changed. Your life is not the same again. Your, your, your God lifted you up from the miry clay and put you on your feet on the rock to stay. None of that moves the Lord. None. None of it. None. None of it. If you're testifying, you're testifying of Jesus. It is because of who he is that we are who we are. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. All that's good and perfect comes from you. You are the heart of my contentment and hope for all I do. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. Through eternity and, and start all over again. Even then, I will praise you, Lord. It's him. You're grateful for the cross. The song I sang yesterday in the most sessions. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the life you gave. Bearing all my sin and shame. In love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for your nail-pierced hands. You washed me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know is your forgiveness and embrace. That's the testimony of Jesus. And it doesn't matter how many times we sing a song of the cross, it will move you as many times as you hear it. Because you're grateful. Why are you grateful? You are Christ conscious. You're Christ conscious. Do you know what the cross did? The cross removed the curse of the law. The cross removed the curse of the law. Deuteronomy 21, let me show that to you. His blood is upon me and all my children. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Deuteronomy 21. Thank you, Jesus. The Christ-conscious believer is grateful for the cross. I hope this is helping somebody. I hope someone is getting this. Deuteronomy 21, 22. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 22 and 23. New King James. If a man... Deuteronomy 21, 22. If a man has committed a sin deserving of death and he is put to death and you hang him on a tree. Mm. 23. His body shall not remain overnight on the tree. You shall surely bury him that day so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving. Go back again to 22. If a man has committed a sin deserving of death and he is put to death and you hang him on a tree, his body, 23 now, shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you. See the next statement, that's an inheritance. For he who is hanged on a tree is accursed of God. He who is hanged on a tree is accursed of God. Put it back in the NLT. 23. NLT. The body must not remain hanging from the tree overnight. You must bury the body that same day. For anyone who is hung is cursed in the sight of God. <laughs> anyone who is hung is cursed in the sight of God. Anyone who is hung. Oh, what a price you paid. 
the perfect sacrifice, the greatest love of all made known upon the cross. Christ Jesus crucified, you shed your blood for me. My words are not enough to thank you for the cross. Forgave me all my sins, love nailed upon the cross. My daddy loves me, yes, behold love on the cross. What a price. Yes. What a price. What a price. I will boast, but only in the cross. And I will glory in the finished work of Christ. I will sing of how your grace has set me free. Ah, and how the blood of Jesus paid the price for me. Because of the cross, I am forgiven. Your grace is why I'm leaving. And I am healed because of the cross. You call me righteous. I am accepted. And I'm walking in victory. Because of the cross, I'm united with the Father. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I have the cross advantage and I have the victory. Yes. Cursed is anyone that hangs on a tree. Cursed. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 verse 4 and 5. Put it up quickly. Thank you for the cross. The Christ conscious believer is grateful for the cross. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes. Yes. We are healed. If anybody is hung on a tree, he has to be buried and brought down before nightfall. So you don't defile the land. For cursed is anyone who is hung or crucified or put on a tree. Acts chapter 5 and verse 30. Acts chapter 5. Acts 5 and 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Go back to Deuteronomy 21, 23. If a man has committed a sin deserving of death, 22, and he's put to death and you hang him on a tree, you impale him pretty much. Yeah, that's what it means. His body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day so that you don't defile the land the Lord is your God is giving you. Go on, as an inheritance. For he who is hanged on a tree is cursed of God. 
Acts 5.30. Acts 5.30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by what? By hanging on a tree. Are you following me? Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 from verse 10. Galatians chapter 3 from verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written. Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. And this is quoting Deuteronomy 27. Verse 26 to be precise. 11 of, of Galatians 3. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. 12. Yet, I'm just giving you context. But yet, yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. 3. Christ then comes because cursed is anyone who does not abide by the entirety of the works of the law. Christ then comes in verse 13. See that. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? Having become a curse for us. Deuteronomy 21, 23. For cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree, right? Acts 5, 30. The Lord raised up Jesus whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Galatians 3, 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming the curse. How did he become the curse? By hanging on a tree. How did he become a curse? By being crucified. Where did he become a curse? On the cross. So anybody that succeeds to convince you that you are operating or are subject to a curse after the cross, after the cross, that person is the curse. Anybody that successfully convinces you to believe that you have a curse operating in your life when you know you are a believer and you know that Christ became the curse. Christ did not just deal with the curse. Christ did not judge the curse. Christ did not cast out the curse. Christ did not rebuke the curse. Christ became the curse. Whatever curse is in your life or was in your life, Christ became. He didn't take it away. He became it. So look at me. The cross is the embodiment of every curse any man could ever have. The cross is the embodiment. Behold love on the cross. Behold the curse on the cross. As it is written, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. And Christ became the curse. For it is written. Can you see that in Galatians 3.13? For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Quoting where? Deuteronomy 21, 22, and 23. <laughs> so at the cross, every curse was dealt with. That's at Colossians 2. Look at Colossians 2. Then this, it begins to make sense for you why the cross is the, the, the crux of the matter. The cross is the crux of the matter. The cross is the crux of the matter. Why there's no other message to preach. Galatians, Colossians chapter 2. You see what happened 
in verse 14. Having wiped out, it begins to make sense now, Colossians 2, 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of ordinances or requirements that was written against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Look at me. Christ took it out of the way, whatever was contrary to you, and he nailed it to the cross. He did not carry the law. He did not carry your curses and then go and put them on the cross and then nailed them on the cross. No, he took all of it. He then became what was against you. He became what was contrary to you. He became what was fighting against you. He became what was litigating against you. He became what was set against you. And he took all of that. He became it. Then he took what he became and went and crucified it. It's not him taking something apart from himself. It's him becoming everything that was contrary to you. And then when he became it, he took it to the cross because at the time he became it, what did he become? Your curse. Became your curse. That's why this gospel is good news. It's good news. It sets you free. That's why I told you the word for deliverance is the same word for forgiveness in the Greek. Same word. Ephemiae. And he became the curse at the cross. I'll show you one more before we close. One more thing that happened at the cross, and you're going to love this. You're going to love this. The Christ-conscious believer is grateful for the, for the cross. At the cross, he judged the curse. At the cross, he judged the curse. He became the curse. What, what curse from your father's house? What curse from your mother? What curse? What ex can survive the power of the cross? If the cross could not deal with any curse in your life, you are hopeless. Yeah. If the cross could not deal with any issue in your life, you are helpless. Stop running around. People will take your money. They will take your fruits. They will take your foodstuff. They will take your chickens, your goats, and your animals. They will take your sex. They will take your virginity. They will take your body. They will take your businesses. They will take your lands. Because you're not conscious of who you are in Christ. The cross judged the curse. So I cannot be cursed. In the same way that I cannot be a sinner. How can I believe that the cross dealt with my sin? But, believe, but do not believe that the cross dealt with my curse. He judged the curse. Everything, everything was judged. I'll show you one more. You know in Genesis 3. Let's go. Genesis 3. Genesis 3. Let me show you. You know the fall of man? Because the cross also took care of the curse on the earth for the believer. I don't know why things are tough for me. Things are very bad. Oh, please, uh, child of God, bring sand from your business to church tomorrow. <laughs> bring something that represents your business to the... To, the cross paid for that too. Genesis 3. Marco Siprandigat Shubradiga, verse 14. Genesis 3, 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. 16. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth. 
Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. 17, this is where I'm going. Then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Ah, you will love this. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Look at verse 18. That's where I'm going. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. Both what? Thorns and thistles. He was crossing the ground, yeah? For man's sake. And you know his word does not return void. The only thing that can cancel a curse of God is the blessing of God. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. Right? Matthew 27, 29. Cursed is the ground it shall bring forth thorns for you. Matthew 27, 29. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put the crown of thorns on his head and a reed in his right hand. Mark 15, 17. They twisted a crown of... Now you're understanding what the significance of the crown of thorns on his head was. Yes, yes. Mark 15, 17. And when they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns and put on his head... And began to salute him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Now, of course, purple represents royalty. The the fact that he was a crown represents kingship. But the fact that he was thorns was the gathering together of the curse on the earth. Which would not have been able to benefit man. And which would have remained so but for the cross. So they twist the entire curse of the earth. Cursed is the ground, the earth, for your sake. It shall bring you thorns. It shall give you thorns and thistles. And God, in, in taking it away in Christ, gathers the curse of the earth, wraps it together as a crown, signifying that this is the person that deserves this thing. Crowns Jesus so that Jesus becomes the one human being that represents the entire world. And the curse of the earth is crowned on him. And he died with it. That's why I can prosper. That's why I can live a fulfilled life in the earth. Because he took the earth's curse as well as my curse. He didn't take away my curse and leave the curse of the earth in place for me to be struggling with. He didn't take away the curse of the earth and leave my curse. He took it all. Oh, I could go on and on and on. I could go on till eternity and never fully exhaust the significance of the cross. Gathered it together and crowned him with the curse of the earth. And he took it. He took it for me, for you. Ah, believer, believer, believer. It's time to get Christ conscious. All the nonsense we're doing in our lives, honestly, all the carnality, all the flesh, it's not that you don't love God. It's not like you don't believe that God saved you. It's not that you don't believe that you are eternally saved. It's that you are not conscious of what Christ did. You're not conscious of what Christ did. You're not conscious of what Christ did. Oh, that you would be conscious of what Christ did. Oh, that you would be mindful of what Christ did. Oh, that you will take time to every day you wake up, think and thank for the cross. Every day, think and thank for the cross. Every moment, think and thank him for the cross. Everything that happens to you, think and thank him for the cross. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Think and thank for the cross. A Christ-conscious believer is grateful for the cross. 
A Christ-conscious believer is grateful for the cross. A Christ-conscious believer is grateful for the cross. It's not a feeling. It's not a season. It's not a euphoria. It's not just a song. It's not a message. It's a consciousness of what happened. It's a consciousness of what happened and the ramifications. The far-reaching ramifications. The far-reaching, inexhaustible ramifications of the cross. Took away your, for, your sins, gave you forgiveness. Took away your estrangement with God and gave you reconciliation, gave you peace. Took away the curse of the law, took away every curse on your life. And took away the earth's curse and set you free. You are not grateful if you are not grateful for the cross. You are not grateful if you are not grateful for the cross. You are an ingrate if the cross is not at the top of what you are thankful for. You are an ingrate. You are not grateful. You are not thankful. If at the top of your list, by miles, it's not the cross. Oh God, people, come on, come on, people. Thank him for the cross. Think and thank. 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 Think about the cross. Thank him for the cross. Think about the cross. Thank him for the cross. You can't be too grateful. Once you understand what I've taught you, you will never look forward to Easter again another day in your life. Easter, what's that? Easter. The time of the year when we celebrate the resurrection. Can you hear yourself, believer? So there's a particular season. You need a calendar to inform you when to be thankful. And then you do it as a religious stroke pagan festivity. Religious stroke pagan festivity that governs your thankfulness for the cross. No, you're just a religious Christian. You are an institutionalized Christian, not a son of God who is conscious of what Christ did. Because if you are conscious of Christ and what he did, you don't need an excuse to be grateful. You don't need a service to be grateful. You don't need a program to be grateful. You don't need a, certainly don't need a, a, a festivity in the calendar to be grateful. Every time you live a Christ-conscious life, you, 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 something happens to you and you know that, ah, man, if not for the cross. If not for the cross, if not for the cross, if not for the cross, if not for the cross. It will be your natural vocabulary. It will be your natural disposition towards the cross to be that of thanksgiving. To be that of gratitude to God. And even now, open your mouth wherever you are and start to thank him for the cross. And as you're doing that, determine to make it a discipline. Determine to make it a consciousness. Not just do it now because we're ending a teaching. Not just do it now because we're, we're drawing the service to a close. Not just doing it now because we talked about it or because we preached about it. But because this right now opens up the fountain of your gratitude forever. Open your mouth wherever you are. I may not be able to hear you. But here in the studio, wherever you are, open your mouth. Open your mouth. Thank him. If all you're saying is thank you for the cross. You cannot keep your mouth shut. You cannot if you are conscious. You can, words will come. Out of gratitude, words will come. You cannot be speechless. You cannot be speechless. You cannot be speechless. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for what the cross did in my life. Thank you for what it took away. Thank you for the curses, the curses that it resolved. Thank you for the cross, Jesus. Thank you. I am grateful for the cross. 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 Hebrews 13, 15. Ugo just put that up. Therefore, by him, let us continually, emphasis on continually, offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, blessing his name or giving thanks to his name. Giving thanks to his name. Continually through him, through him, through him, through him. Continually. 
The cross is the informant of our thanksgiving. The, the cross is the informant of our gratitude. The cross, the, the cross is the influencer of our, of, our, of, of our thanksgiving, of our gratitude to God, of our appreciation to God. Everything is hinged on the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Come on, go ahead one more, one more minute and just give him thanks. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. You can't be grateful. You can't be thankful. It doesn't matter what you're thanking God for. It doesn't matter if you're thanking God for your car. If you're thanking God for your house, you are ungrateful. You're thanking God for healing. You are ungrateful. You're thanking God for a job. You are ungrateful. You're thanking God for service. You are ungrateful. You're thanking God for a child. You are ungrateful. You're thanking God for a husband, a wife. You are ungrateful if you're not thanking him at the top of that for the cross. For the cross. Every time you wake up, every time you pray, start with the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that it's because of the cross I can come. Oh, it's because of the cross that I can come. Every time, form a ha an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude for the cross. For the cross. Thank you 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 for the cross. Magasure di badaha. The Christ-conscious believer is thankful for the cross. 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 Bage supra kindi ligo su zebra dingados. Eje bragani malakose site lingre tila pako sutelish. Imbalogo simbra digashu subra di hala hadabades. Eje bratuke sundi liko suze branda ha. My words are not enough. 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 Ebrande kasiza. Zengo di bradi katuze li katuze brande kila kusa suza. Eje brande kizada dingo suka tiligri zuza dadaha. Ende bradi gedede so suga dinde li katuza tea. Mal iso sute krida lunda ribra tuka tuze tila. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. The blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel cries for vengeance. His own cries peace. <laughs> the blood of Abel was the blood of Abel was just an anti-type of the blood of Jesus. Please, please, take this one you have learned. Add it to your Christ-conscious list. Always repent whenever you feel like you are letting go of the cross. Always repent. Always, always, Father, I, I repent. Train your mind. Train your spirit. Train your body to respond. To the cross to be conscious of the cross if you miss the cross you miss the whole message of christ if you miss the cross you miss the entire message of christ the entire mind of god is captured in the cross the entire nature of god is captured in the cross the entire message of god is captured in the cross to miss that is to miss everything to not be thankful to be for the cross is to not be thankful at all the cross is the center is the crux of the matter crux of the matter it's the crux of the matter Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, Father. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email 
to info at the or visit our social media platforms.